0: Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Luke six seventeen through 36. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Luke in your Bible. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all over Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. For you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful.
1: Thank you, Sam. That is the word of the Lord for us today. Uh, Okay, so I want to say this before before we start. And I realize... Passages like this one, and there's a lot there. There's a whole lot in this passage. Uh, passages like these have a tendency to, to, well, at least for me, and I don't know about you, uh, make me react a little bit. Uh, when I hear things like, blessed are the poor, um, I didn't mean to do that just yet. Here we go. When we hear like, uh, blessed are the poor, like I, I, I automatically think, I feel guilty for all of the things that I have. You know, like for for the, the material goods that God has blessed us with. And I don't think that's what's happening here. Um, so I, I want you to kind of just take a deep breath. I'm not gonna berate anybody for, or want anybody to feel guilty for the things that God has given us. Um, so that's that's just my baggage maybe, uh, and maybe that's part of what you react to. I think though, if we pay attention to what Jesus is saying, um, we're gonna see uh, what is maybe the possible ramifications of us following Jesus, Uh, what is the ramifications if we don't, and how it is exactly that we are supposed to follow Jesus in obedient discipleship. So that's where we're going. Um, That's pretty much where we'll end up. That's the sermon in a paragraph. So you can, I don't know, turn off your hearing aids and uh, not listen to me. I I don't know, I don't know why I said that. I don't even think anybody here has hearing aids. Uh, well, who knows? Okay, I'll take my foot out of my mouth now. Um, we've, been, we've been going through Luke's gospel, and uh, we've, we've hit all the, the major things that have happened so far. Jesus' birth, um, his baptism, and all those kinds of things. And, and so his ministry is beginning uh, to pick up steam. Uh, to this point that we've read, though, so far, that he hasn't, he hasn't called all of his disciples just yet. Uh, the passage just before the one that Sam read for us today, we end up getting a full list of all of Jesus' disciples. Um, prior to that, though, he had been spending some time in, in prayer. That's kind of where we left off uh, last time, I believe. Um, kind of spending some time in prayer uh, and, and solitude. And I think he does this, as, as, uh, as Jesus will do throughout his ministry. He does this so that he is prepared for the ministry that lies ahead. Uh, He does this so that he can have wisdom and discernment and direction and strength. Uh, I I know we we say Jesus is fully God. Yes, he is fully God, but he's fully human too, and so that part pulls on him, I'm sure. Uh, Well, we see that in the wilderness testing. So Jesus needs this time, the time with the Father, for all of those things. I'm going to say uh, this is, well, that's what prayer should be for us, too, if we're about it. I feel like a lot of times uh, my prayer maybe is about asking God to do things or to heal people or to take care of uh, someone's needs, and those are all good things. We've we got to pray for those. But I think what is maybe more urgent than those things is that we follow Jesus' examples and we find time to pray. And to listen. To shut your yapper. And ask for wisdom. And discernment. And direction. And then strength. To be obedient. Because when we end up at the end of this passage. There is no other way. That we can do the things that Jesus asks us to do. At the end of this passage. Without doing that prayer. Okay. Well. Well. He uh, he's called his disciples, and um, uh, Luke will use one word for his immediate disciples, uh, sometimes calling them apostles, and then uh, just regular generic disciples are anybody else that are outside of that group of twelve. Um, and so Jesus has gathered. Uh, we'll go here now. He came down with them, so the twelve. And he stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, what you'll notice is, yeah, he's, he's gathered with his 12, but he's also gathered with a great multitude of folks. And what you will also notice is that uh, those last two cities, they are Gentile cities. They are not part of Israel. And so even at this early point in the story, we are seeing God's mission extend past Israel, through Israel maybe, to the rest of the world. Um, That what God is doing is not just for the Jews, but it is for everyone around. And we know that from the very beginning. This will be really, really important as Luke concludes his gospel and heads into the, the book of Acts. That the salvation that God is bringing is bigger than just us. That it expands to include all of the world. Well, he's there, and there's the great crowd. And uh, they, came, they had come to hear him and so and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out of him and healed them all. I think in my mind, when I think about the stories of Jesus, like uh, that he's sitting at the base of a hill, and there's like people neatly sitting all around and I think that's more influenced by really, really bad Jesus movies that I've seen in the past. Uh, ask me later about a funny YouTube thing. Uh, that's, that's not here that, but that's, it's, anyway, it's funny. And I want to show it, but it would be one of those things that you would remember the clip and not what I'm trying to say. Uh, so I, I, I get this mental picture that the, the crowd is all around. There's a lot of them, but they're spaced out. But this is not the image that Luke gives us. He He's like Jesus is in the middle of a throng and people are coming up to him and they're probably like screaming and crying out to him and some of them are just, are just trying to touch him because they're thinking oh man I know this guy can heal if I can just get a hold of him and it's going to be okay and, and it seems Luke is saying that those people were successful. Uh, that it didn't matter who they were or whether they really wanted to follow Jesus or not but that, that the nature of God as being loving and gracious, uh, the nature of God that, that is wanting the entire world to, to flourish and become everything that it's supposed to be just kind of oozes out of Jesus. And it comes out of him, and what does it do? It makes the sick whole again. It heals those who are broken and casts out the evil from among their lives. All right, so Jesus' healing is non-discriminatory. It doesn't matter. And I think, again, Luke is trying to tell us that the salvation that Jesus is bringing is not just for us, but it is for the entire world. We'll go on. Uh, somehow, he, uh, somehow he managed to get enough space to be able to talk to everybody, managed to be able to, to quiet the crowd. Uh, maybe all of them had been healed, who knows? Luke tells us, then he looked up at his disciples and said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now this passage is part of um, Jesus' first kind of major group of teaching, and in Luke we call it the Sermon on the Plain, and it's really similar to uh, Matthew's gospel, which is the Sermon on the Mount. Different setting, most of the same kind of teaching uh, that we hear from Jesus, especially this, this next section. Well, uh, we kind of get stuck, like I said at the beginning, at blessed are you who are poor, Matthew adds in spirit. Um, they're both trying to talk about the same things. For yours is the kingdom of God. Uh, like I said, I get stuck on this, and, and I get feeling guilty for all the things that God has given us, but uh, a little context is important for, I think, what Jesus is saying. There was a belief in Israel that if you were wealthy, if you were in good health, if your family was in good order, that you and your family had been righteous and God's, in God's eyes you had done everything that you should do. And therefore, all of those things were God's blessings on you. Uh, on the other side of things, if you were sick or if you had suffered shame in some kind or uh, just whatever, you brought disgrace to your family. Uh, in, in the biblical world, to be poor isn't just an economic thing. I think we have said this a couple weeks ago. It is something that is, it's more than that. It's, it's being kind of on the outside of society in any kind of way. Uh, whether your family did something that was wrong, whether you, you came from a different place, uh, whether you had a disease or not. All of these things were kind of poor. Uh, so there's this, this tradition that believes this. Um, Jesus will end up un, untangling that. Uh, and we see a little bit of this already in the Old Testament in the book of Job. Do you guys remember the book of Job? Uh Job's wealthy and um, the devil comes to God and says, let me take away all his things because the only reason he follows you is because you've given him all this stuff. And uh, God's like, okay, maybe sometime we'll, we'll dig into this story because it's crazy. Uh, so the devil does his thing to Job and he he's, loses all of his kids and his money and his camels and everything. And he, he sits down in a pile of ashes and his friends come to him and we're like, what did you do wrong? What did you sin? How did you sin? You had to have. And they're like this whole dialogue back and forth and he's like, I didn't do anything, I promise. It's like my kids didn't do anything. Uh, and, and even his wife is convinced that he had done something and she says to him, this is my favorite line in all of the world, why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> Ladies, don't say that to your husband, okay? Uh, but, but in the end, Job is is vindicated in his righteousness. He had had not done anything wrong. The the things that he had suffered uh, were not because of his unrighteousness. Uh, In in fact, Jesus is going to turn this on his head in just a little bit. uh, That maybe what we're reading here, this is the the second thing. Uh, What we're reading here is, is maybe more descriptive than it is Prescriptive. You get what I mean there? Like it's not something that Jesus is saying, you have to be poor in order to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, let's go a bit further and I'll tell you what I think he's actually saying here. Blessed are you uh, who are happy now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and defame you on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy for surely your reward is great in heaven for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. I think Jesus is making a description of what the ramifications are of discipleship. Of following Jesus fully. I don't think Jesus is saying you have to be poor. Um, He doesn't say you have to be hungry or you have to always be sad. He's not saying you have to be kicked out of all these situations. He's saying this is what might happen to you when you proclaim my gospel of good news. Uh, Because I, I think we see this a lot. Sometimes good news isn't good news to everybody. Sometimes there are people who who have a lot to lose when we want the world to be a more just place. Uh, There are people who struggle against goodness and righteousness uh, because they have a lot to lose, which I think is the other side of this coin. Uh, He he goes here and he says, um, this last one I I think is, uh, well, I think it's just really vivid. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and defame you on the account of the Son of Man, Luke uses three words. Um, uh, He uses three words to kind of describe this thing. And uh, if we were to break it out a little bit more, this is what it would say more literally. Blessed are you when people drive you out and exercise you like a demon because they believe your name and by consequence, you are evil. I don't know, just, I think we have a habit sometimes, the world does, of calling what is good evil and what is evil, good. Just kind of where we are. Um, This is what Jesus is saying is possible ramifications. And we know this because, because this is what in Israel they did to the prophets that were trying to tell them to live in a better and more just way. This is what they do to Jesus when he comes proclaiming release for the prisoner and healing and salvation for more than just israel don't let that scare you i i don't think that in america at the present moment that this will be the case for most of us although maybe but in different ways than we might than we might imagine Okay, so we have, to, we have to contrast this, though. Uh, we have to contrast this with the, the woes. And I don't have those up on the screen, but they, they kind of they match, right? So instead of blessed are the poor, we have blessed, uh, but woe to those who are rich, for you have con- received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well for you well of you, for that is what the ancestors did to the false prophets. Uh, that's, uh, again, I get stuck here. Like, I get guilty here. Uh, by the world's standards, by, by most everything else, we have a lot of good things. Uh, and maybe I feel guilty about that sometimes. But I don't think that, that Jesus is wanting just to flip the script. To have those who are hungry be full in the kingdom of God and those who were hungry now, or full now, to be hungry later. I don't think that's what Jesus wants. I think Jesus wants even those who are are blessed to use their blessing for the sake of those around them. I think Jesus, again, is describing what happens, what will happen to those who fail to use the blessings that God has given them for the sake of their neighbor. That doesn't mean you have to give it all away. I think sometimes God blesses us so that we can bless other people, despite what maybe people on TV might say. Um, so I think this brings a question then. Uh, this brings up a question then. and Taking the context of rich people were blessed by God and righteous. And in another place, will be like, Jesus is like, You know, how hard will it be for a rich man to get through getting the kingdom of God be harder than a camel going through the eye of a needle, which is, you know, small camels are large. And they're like, who then can be saved? And and I think the next part is he's going to offer us exactly the things that we should do to be part of God's kingdom, whether we are rich or poor. Uh, These are the things that will mark for Luke true discipleship true following in the footsteps of Jesus. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good, those, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Now, if you're in an abusive relationship, it doesn't mean you should stay in it. I, I think there have been pastors who wrongly so, have counseled people to stay in bad relationships. It doesn't, Jesus isn't saying that. Sometimes the relationship has to change. But I think in the kingdom of God, that praying for those who abuse us is important. Because it's what Jesus does for us. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from anyone who takes away your coat, do not Withhold even your shirt. Give it to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask them again for them. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. I, I think most of the time we want to do to others what they have done to us. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? The word that Luke uses, that Jesus uses here for credit is actually grace. If you love those who love you, what grace is that? And I think he's saying it isn't any. Uh, That the true grace of God comes in loving those who do not love us. It comes in not responding to the evil that we have received with more evil. It comes in generosity and selflessness. Right. For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what, what grace is that to you for even sinners do the same? If you lend to those who From whom you hope to receive, what grace is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. And he repeats himself but love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, not financially, I don't think, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. I think Jesus at the very beginning of his teaching ministry here is setting up for us the way that we should be. The very difficult path that we are called to follow if indeed we want to be followers of Jesus Christ. I think the church in the past has erred on saying, come to Jesus and all of your problems will go away. We're gonna, here's seven steps to being a better, whatever. And, and some, of that, some of that's good. There's good advice in some of those things. But if we're, we're taking Jesus' sermon here any kind of seriously, we will see that that is not necessarily the case. Now, okay, so here's, here's where I, if I'm sitting near in your part, like I've, I've totally dismissed me if I'm maybe sitting there because this is, this is difficult and it's hard and it seems like impossible expectations to uphold because you are saying to yourself, it just doesn't work that way. Which is what Peter could have said to Jesus last week when Jesus told him to cast his nets over in the middle of the day when fishing wasn't really practical. I think that our temptation will constantly be to look at passages of scriptures like this and to say, ah, I, I wanna believe that, but that's, that'll get you crucified. Maybe that's the point. Now, I, I don't want any of you to suffer. I want, I want God's very best for you. I want you to flourish and to grow in, in all of the ways that you can as a human being. And I want you to stay with this faith. And so I think that if we are if we're trying, by the way, we don't do these things. Uh, to earn God's love and grace. right? God has already done these things for us. Be merciful just as your Father has mercy. We are merciful and loving and forgiving because that is what we have received. It is always a response to what God has done in us and for us. So if you take this and you think, man, I, I think this is good, I, I like it, I, but I just, I, I think if you want to, if you're wanting to be more like Jesus in this kind of way, if you're truly wanting to follow in discipleship, in following Jesus to be a part of God's kingdom, here and now and and in eternity, uh, then I think maybe that's, that's the place to start, right? Because I think that God's work in our lives is never, maybe not never, seldom as spectacular as we want it to be. That it is like the farmer who goes out and throws his seed in the ground, and he comes back day after day, watching it, waiting for it to grow, and nothing happens for a long time. But With sunshine and with rain, with pulling out the weeds, a little sprout begins to grow. Change and transformation takes place. That's why we go and we pray and we listen. We pray for wisdom and discernment and direction and strength and courage. If we do not do those things, we will never be merciful just as our Father is merciful. I, I want you to do those things by yourself. Pray that way. But praying that together as a church, though, is important for us as well. It's important for us as God's people who have been called, who have been have been recipients of God's mercy as a church. Uh, that it would be difficult for us to fulfill these things as well. We're gonna receive the Lord's Supper in just a moment. And uh, as you're coming forward, as we always do, I want you to, uh, well, I want you to contemplate <laughs> the difficulty of this. And I want you to ask that God might help you believe that it is indeed how the world is supposed to work. Uh, That you might ask God for the strength and the courage to truly believe and follow. And maybe that brings up someone you need to forgive. Maybe that brings up in your mind someone who has treated you very, very poorly for whom you need to pray for their blessing. Because you don't want to do it. Maybe that means, maybe that means that you become a, a little bit more generous, a little kinder, a bit more patient, a lot more loving. We're going to read through uh, this liturgy, as we always do. And I know it's it, it may get old, we say these things every week, but it is literally the story of God being merciful to us. It is literally the story of God not Hitting us back when we have hit him. It is literally the story of his grace. It is literally the story of Jesus and what Jesus is calling his church to become. And I believe, this, it's not magical, but I believe that there is something in this little bit of bread, of juice, that just might give us strength and nourishment to go out into our world to be merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful.
0: Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit TakeItToTheHeart.com.